Every week we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast, where we talk with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community. Today, we have Arlie Velasquez, who is a Mexican ski racer, four-time Paralympian, Vancouver, Sochi, Pyeongchang, and then just recently in Beijing. He actually started mono skiing or competed 14 months after he started to mono ski. So competed in his first games. Arlie, I want to find out. First, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. Certainly a pleasure to be here. You are a legend. I have here your name since before I met you. And I have seen your videos since before I actually did um, mono skiing. So it's just. It's, a, it's an honor. Ah, well, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a mutual honor, that's for sure. And how did you get into skiing? How did you make the decision? Because I know you did a little bit of a vacation up in, up in Canada and said, okay, this sounds good. But how do you take that from this is what I'm going to do? Well, it actually began before, way before, because I... I, I, I had a, just a very big luck love for the mountain because I used to do a downhill mountain bike. Uh, uh, and once that's where I got, actually got my accident. So once I, once I got on my accident, it was kind of um, impossible for me to go back to the mountain. I just couldn't uh, figure out a way to kind of go back and get that feelings back again in my life. And then suddenly um, there was one, another Mexican, uh, his name is Armando Ruiz, who was the first one to actually do uh, alpine skiing and represent Mexico. And at some point he, 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 we met from years before and he knew my story. So once he tried it and he was inside of the sport, he was like, you will love this sport. But it was kind of just like there and, and honestly, after having an accident in the mountain, you can imagine how hard it was. Uh, like a, it kind of became a big uh, uh, taboo in my family, you know, like nothing to do with mountains. We don't even talk about that. But uh, I got the chance to be in a, in a holiday for the first time in the snow in Calgary. And suddenly it kind of went by the time I, we were, I was pretty much enjoying my time there and at some point I was like hold on I mean it's no so this sport that I heard about it uh, it's actually practicing the snow is, is there a chance that maybe some resort around and I can try it before I go back to Mexico and I was in the last three days that I was going to be there so right away I took the phone I start calling the the resorts around and I'm pretty sure you know Sunshine Village Sure. Um, they said like, okay, well, we actually have a full book, but we have one constellation, but there's a, a, a climate alert. I'm not sure how to say it because they were going to be minus 45 uh, Celsius. And I was which like, is I, way below, which is below zero too in, in Fahrenheit as well. So yeah. Yeah. Cold. I'm not even sure. Really, how, really cold. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even sure how 
how cold it is in Fahrenheit, but certainly below zero because I know that zero is minus 17. So it has to be at least, I don't know, maybe minus 30 or something like that. And um, so I tried it for the first time. I, I just knew that there was so much potential in that sport, even though that the first time, and I'm pretty sure it was the same for you, the very first day, you pretty much do nothing. You just kind of go and they tether you and they hold all your speed and then turn for you because of tethering one side or the other. Well, so you started on a bike ski, right? I started on a bike ski, yeah. But that was just one day. Right. And then right away in the second day, I was like, okay, so, but this one is the competition one? No, a monoski. So I was like, can I come tomorrow? Yes, to try the monoski because that, and and they were like, okay, and and I remember that I asked that day as well, how, like, what's the biggest competition in this sport? And they said, like, oh, uh, Winter Paralympics. And I was like, okay. So I saw the whole potential. It just kind of blew my mind that day when I was coming down the gondola to the parking. Uh, I was crying because I just felt that I found my place again in the world. Well, you also, and, and you skipped over some of this on the biking side. So as a 12-year-old, you were a national champion, right? A national mountain bike champion, but up an age group, right? Racing like 19 and under as a 12 year So you were, you were a prodigy, right? Well, I have to say that I have always been very agile on sports, uh, but uh, the bicycle was my tool since I was, since I was like two and a half years old i was already biking without the wheels the safe wheels on the, the side yep yeah the training wheels and uh i just i i mean for me the bicycle represents so much because it was kind of a tool that allowed me since i was very little to explore the world so for me it was like i don't know i just had like a very good connection and it 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 was very evident like even using a very simple bicycle in the street that in Mexico we do go out and play on the streets and that well it used to be like that I'm not sure about these generations anymore but um, I remember I was wheeling but like a couple blocks you know like a big wheelie, a long wheelie. So a wheelie. So you're doing it like a wheelie, just like running a wheelie. on the back wheel. Okay. Exactly. Okay. That's it. And I, I mean, so, so that was one of the tricks that I that I knew uh, like rapidly. I was already like uh, putting one uh, uh, one foot in the in the seat and another one in the steer wheel, and I was kind of like you know like flying on top of the bicycle. So it, there was a big connection with it. And once I came to mountain bike downhill, it was just such a fast develop uh, because I was very, very well connected to my instrument, which was have always been the bicycle. And then I got up. Um, so like right away, the people kind of look a little bit of skill and they were like, OK, well, let's help. And there was one guy who said, like, um, I want to train you. Um, so you have to do BMX during the week. And uh, that was kind of like my main reason that I was very fast with the homeworks because my mother was like, okay, you wanna go train BMX? You have to finish your homework. So I was right away eating, finishing my homework and going to train uh, to BMX during the week. And then on the weekends, I was going to the mountains and, and practice uh, downhill mountain bike. And 
Uh, and yeah, the, the, the kind of the develop was super fast, but it really came down to the moment where I switched the bicycle. I went from a very basic one to a, a one that it was very good quality. And right away, first race, and I got, uh, as, as you mentioned, I, I was national champion. And if I would have been in the elite, uh, which is like the, 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 everybody like the open category, right? The, the open category. Exactly. Right. Uh, I would have ended up in the rank five by the age of 12. Uh, so yeah, like after that, there was a company from the U S that they, it was a Mexican family that they built, uh, uh, the bicycles in the U S and they came to Mexico to kind of, because it was very interesting and it was very sound. Like this guy of 12 years old that it's already running like the older guys, like the open. So they were like, okay, we need to see who, who this is. And it was, and, and actually it was training for that um, national race um, that I, one week weekend before the race, I overjump the 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 jump that it was um a ramp of two of uh, two and a half meters would be something like like 15 feet, feet kind of thing something like, like, I don't know, like eight feet yeah like eight feet and then there was a gap of yeah. uh like 45 feet around and then there's the receiver and then so I over jump and I passed the receiver I landed it in flat so there was a, it was a lot of uh, pressure for the front suspension and it started leaking oil. It broke and it started leaking oil. So there was one friend that came and he was like, oh, it's very important this race that is coming for you. Here is my kind of like my spare bicycle. But this guy, he was 20 year, 28 years old and way heavier and way taller. And I was uh, super young, 13 years old. Uh, so I went, to the same ramp and it kind of bounced me weird. I, I landed first on my head, my back got compressed, two vertebras broken. And of course, all these, I, I knew about it after that, but the paramedics came, checked me out and they were like, oh, you have nothing, sit down. So when I sat, sat down, um, the vertebras that they were already broken, but they remain in their place they actually collapse when I sit. I felt like a big, big, big pain. And right away after a few seconds, literally like 10 or 20 seconds, I stopped feeling from the chest down. Wow. So you did that. Then, then you were, then you were recovering. Then you went mono skiing and then you made a decision to become a mono skier because this was replacing the biking. It was, you were in the mountains. How did you make that decision? Because one, you weren't very good at mono skiing. <laughs> and you decided that this is what you're going to, you're going to devote your life to. Well, uh, it was, it was weird because I, I saw the potential, but it was, you know, you have here about this kind of call that you have for something. And I felt exactly that. After that holiday in the U in Canada, in, in Banff, I went back to Mexico. I, 
I talked with my mother and she was like, no, Arlie, there's no way. Like you, if you want to do it, you can do it. But uh, for holidays or whatever, like, like you're not going to do it like high performance. And I, it, it was a time I was 20 at the time. Uh, it was in 2009. And I, I, I felt that that was the moment that I stopped being a kid and I became an, an adult because I took my first big decision for myself. And since I was before that, I, I, I used to do uh, music events. I had my own savings, right? So I was like, okay, well, then this time I'm not going to go with my mom's blessing, to say it in a way, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I sold my, my car. I flew to the border. Uh, and there I have a friend that he lives there. He helped me to get, get. So where on the border, where did you fly to? Mexicali. It's close to San Diego. Okay. Uh, it's, it's actually uh, the place that he lives is called Algodones, which is very close to Yuma, Arizona, like okay. 20 minutes or something like that. So uh, I, I went there, he helped me to buy a, an old, it was a Ford Explorer 97 uh, for, I don't know, like 2000, uh, to, yeah, like $2,500, something that I was, I, I could afford. I was 20 and I had just my savings and I was going by myself and with my own resources. So I took that car, I insurance and everything that I needed to do. And then I, I went uh, through the border and, at that time, there was no GPS. Oh, there was, but they were super expensive at that time. So I was going with my, you know, like all the, the print uh, sheets yeah, yeah. of the directions and you get and go out there. Da, 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 da. So it was a whole, like a whole adventure. I was doing it by myself because of course I was not even thinking about covering the expenses of someone else who could help me. I, I didn't see it even as a possibility. And Did yeah, you know where I, you were I going. I mean, you flew, you flew to your friend's place, and then yeah. you bought the car. Where were you going from there? Had you made any plans of a place to go in the U.S. or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I, I, I did see. I, I skipped that part, but I, I did it for the first time in Banff, and then I went to to another trip with Armando actually I did it in Banff by myself and then I was like Armando you know I felt this this I know that there's a big uh, a big panorama there I feel it that I can be very good on this sport uh, so he was like oh I'm actually going for some races in Park City you should come because they have a big program that it's called the National Ability Center and I was like yeah I, I go with you so I went with him I, I right away when I got to the National Ability Center, they were like, oh, you know how to ski. And of course, I didn't know, but it, I was already like one day in monoski. I was like, yeah, sure. I know. So they put me a, a, an instructor also in a monoski with a volunteer. And I had to learn quick. I had to learn. I have to to really make it happen. And and luckily, the National Ability Center is actually a really great place. They have a a uh, very good attitude and and the at the and the instructors that I got they were super good super patient and uh, yeah I developed quickly in order to be kind of uh autonomous autonomous I'm not sure how to independent. say independent 
yeah. independent in the mountain. So that was the first step. And then right away, I, I, I just went back to Mexico and that's when all the, all the rest. So the place that I was going was Park City for going back again to the National Ability Center. And right away, I joined the race team, even though that I was like super bad. <laughs> but they were like, okay, Arlie, yeah, you are in the race team. Just go for free skiing. <laughs> we are doing some gates. And I'm like, okay, well, I go for free skiing. So I kept going, kept going. Luckily, you don't I, have I was, your own equipment at this point, or do you? Exactly. Um, that's where I was going because I had the the old monoski of Armando, but Armando is like, I'm not even sure in weight, but it would be something like, I would say that at least 200 pounds or maybe 180. And I am at the time 122, 125. So there was no way that I I, I was there I, I could fit properly in that monoski, um, but one day I went to the I was in the national ability center in the in the mountain actually, and I was just kind of like waiting and hanging out there, and uh, and then I met a, a very key person in in my whole career, which is Eric Bainderly. He mm -hmm. he speaks. I, I was. I mean, my English right now is not perfect, but at that time it was way bad, way worse. So uh, he speaks Spanish, and he was like, "Hey, qué vato? And I was Spanish. Someone speaks Spanish, and he's in a wheelchair. So I, I right away was like very very curious, and I said like, "Well," and I told the whole story, and he was like, "Okay, that's cool. Okay, well, let's go for lunch." And I was like, okay, let's go for lunch. That 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 could be cool. I can. I I just want to learn. I want to absorb whatever wisdom people has around. And so he saw something on me, and and I I think that I was like I have always had like this this high energy, but at that time I was even more excited about uh, this whole journey. Um, and he was like, okay, maybe I have a I have a monoski for you. So he was like, okay, let's go to my, to my garage. We went to his garage. He opened it. And suddenly like I start watching to all the world. For me, it was like coming to Disneyland because it was like super, like from the eighties monoski from the nineties and a lot of brands and a hand cycle and something for the water. It was like the dream garage of any disabled person who's actually into sports. And for me, it was like, oh my God. And he was like, okay, but I'm going to the nationals. I have this Tessier BFC. I think it was a name at that time. Um, but you have to figure out how to put this boot in order to make it work. And, you know, like uh, going back to my family. Like boot meaning the seat, right? No, the, 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 well, the seat as well, but the piece that goes in the binding, the actual boot. Oh, that boot okay yeah okay. so it, it was a hard metal okay and honestly like my history is that my parents got divorced when i was five five and a half six years old then we moved to mexico city uh but the reality is that i didn't i was not so close to my father so i was not close at all to my father but uh the reality was that i have never kind of experienced working with tools mm -hmm. 
And it was okay, I have to put this or I have to use a drill. And I had I was like, okay, well, let's make this happen. And I work in the while Eric was gone for, for the nationals, I work in the in the NAC, in the in the uh, double, I don't know how they call it, the double the trailer. The trailer. And they had like the tools and drills and that. I used them. And and then I I um I definitely went to uh, to try it as soon as I I finished, which it took me one day, and the next day I was already going through Seamus, and you know that I'm pretty sure you are very familiarized to that to that run, and and there's always like these uh, I don't uh, Miller's photography or you know that the guys who they were yeah. Yeah, the guys who were there in the middle of the mountain taking pictures, and you can enter to the website, and there was a big watermark in the in the center. And but for me, it was kind of like the feedback that I needed to do. So in order to see how I was skiing, my position, and all this, and it just became kind of like my dynamic every single day, going there and try to ski better, getting the pictures, and looking in the website. Of course, not buying them. I was super low budget <laughs> at the time and um, and yeah like little by little I, I remember taking the screenshots don't say to them please <laughs> and I was sending them to Eric and like hey how do you see my position uh, so right away it just became a dynamic between the two of us where he was he saw that I was very inspired that I was doing the work that I want that I needed to do in order to kind of evolve and evolve and suddenly yeah, you. Uh, I would say months later, we were already looking into into uh, YouTube uh, for how to build carbon fiber, and then we were building our own equipment in carbon fiber. Of course, he was uh, modifying the whole monoski in order. You know, you, you know him, so he's very tinkering right. all the time with all the equipment. And for my, for me, that was a key thing because it it I I, I always say they are called adapt, adaptive sports for a reason. And I think, first of all, you have to adapt. Once you adapt to the equipment, then it's working on, tech, on the technique and, 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 and tactic and everything. But first you have to adapt. And for people, it takes too, like so much time to really make changes. Well, especially your higher level injury too. I mean, you said you're paralyzed from the chest down. So balance gets much more difficult the higher you are and it's harder to for you to adapt to the ski the ski has to adapt to you in order for you to be successful certainly and uh, and but not a lot of people and, and and you have it really really clear on that you know it perfectly i think you're also kind of high or what's your yeah level? like t10 so so a little bit lower than you but still the same kind of thing where I just don't have a lot of the muscles, the stomach muscles. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that you went through the same thing with the coaches that they are like, no, no, don't work on your equipment. Just train hard, just train harder and go to the gates. And it's like, be a man, man up, man, come on. And it's like, oh man, I, I, I swear there's something that is not working. And they were like, no, 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 you just have to ski. You have to train harder. And it was like, okay, but I kind of, kind of, I found my way in between those two worlds. Uh, Eric, who is the most uh, 
tinkering guy and and then the coaches who are like hey, man I haven't trained harder so I remember lots of uh, days that I was coming back from the snow I knew that there was something that I could improve on the monoski. So I asked uh, the help with Eric and of course, all the tools and everything and in his house. So we went through that and, and then uh, putting apart the monoski, getting things fixed. Sometimes it was the carbon fiber. So it takes so much time to set the epoxy and all this putting together maybe early morning, uh, 5 a.m. putting it together, da, 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 finishing at 6:30 and going to the mountain to train that same day. I right now I actually have no idea where I had the energy to to actually do that because if you tell me to do that now that I'm 34, I will be like, no, there's no way. But at that time I was super inspired, super motivated, and I was doing it. And I think that it, as as you said, like. Uh, and some at some point I, I I was ranked 10 in the world. So it 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 helped me to to have a very fast develop, I think, this this willing to work on my equipment, to train every day, and to leave my whole life behind and go to this uh pursue this this call for sure. And you were you're ranked 10 in the world before you went to Vancouver, is that right? Or or was that later on? No, when I was in Vancouver, it was, um, I think, 10 months after I started. So I was, I, I literally was one of the last ones, but I finished both races. So that was kind of like... And giant slalom there. Yes, exactly. Because it's the only ones that you can get wild card. So I, I, I was not even qualified. But once I was in Sochi, four years later, there's where I was... I got to that Paralympic rank 10 in the world in downhill. In downhill. How yeah. did you get good enough going from not being good at all, <laughs> not having your equipment, having to play with your equipment? And I think I had read it was 14 months or something from when you started until when you when you qualified or when you showed up in Vancouver. How did you how did you compress that? How did you get good enough that you said you were on a bit of a discretionary choice? I mean, developing country kind of uh, kind of situation, right? Because there aren't a lot of Mexican skiers, so they're looking to diversify the field a little bit. So so there was an advantage there, but still, like that's hard to do to be ready for the games. Honestly, like I went all in. And that represents that I was in Park City from February 2009 all the way until April when the season was over. Once it was over, I went to Mount Hood. Once it was over, and then I, I went to Mount Hood with the Winter Park team, the NSCD. And um, they were there, I think it was a couple or three weeks. And then I kind of talk with the people in the in the place that we were staying since I since I already got the season pass then when they left I I stayed there and it was I mean the the whole story and I had I, I don't think I hear not a lot of people know it but the reality was that there was this guy who rented the place to the uh, to the national to the NSCD and once they left I was like hey what can I rent a place? 
And he was like, yeah, but it's kind of like very expensive. And that. and I was like, okay, but how expensive it is. And he kind of saw something in me again. It's all these people, I, I think that they are angels that come to my mind, to my life. And suddenly he was like, okay, I, I, I can do something for you. I will put you in the apartments that they are kind of recently, uh, that the, the people who rented recently left it. Mm-hmm. And I was there for maybe like three days. And then I was switching to another one in between. I was pretty much switching from apartment to apartment in between reservations. And he allowed me to be there for free, you know? So it was, I mean, but like this story, I have so many. And I, I was skiing the whole time, every single day, because you know that once you go to Mount Hood, you can ski from seven till nine, and then it's a slash. Right. Uh, so I, 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 I remember that I, I, I called my sister and I was like, okay, well, I'm already here. Come, and I need help in order to record a video because I need to go back to Mexico and find sponsors and I need to show something. Uh, and, and also, I, I think it was a big advantage that I, I uh, studied film direction right before going to the mountain. Uh, it kind of helped me to, to, uh, to know what I wanted to communicate uh, on the videos. And she came, I taught her first how to ski. Uh, then she was in the mountains helping me recording things. I remember that I put a tool song on it and I was, uh, uh, and, and then I got a nice video that I came back to Mexico once I finished Mounted and I uh, started talking with lots of people and I was lucky enough that there was some people, some angels, some coincidence that they, they believed in my, in my, uh, well, in my uh, capabilities, yeah, right, in my yeah. talent. And they kind of, uh, they were like, okay, well, we, we bet on your project. Here it is. Uh, and then because of that, I was able to go, in the same summer to New Zealand for another, I think something like 25 days. And there was my first races or th- I don't remember how, how, it, how, how long it was exactly, but there was a camp first and then some races. And that was my first races. I remember that I was training Super G for the first time there. I had a big crash. I ended up in the hospital in New Zealand. Uh, but then I came back to Mexico. I kept looking, you know, like finding the way, finding the way, finding the way. And so for these uh, last two camps, I was the, with the NSCD. So that season that came out right after that, I was in the winter park for the whole season. And I was training hard, training hard, training hard, training hard. And then I, I ended up going to Vancouver uh, but honestly, my level there was barely good to finish, barely good. Uh, it was not competitive at all, which it was kind of the, uh, 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 in that short time, I became the best Mexican out of the two. But honestly, like uh, Armando had not like, a, he, he, he was also cap- capable to go down the mountain, but not really racing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I knew, and I had it really clear, this is just the first step. I, I have to go. I'm going for uh, for Sochi. That's where I I wanted to really um, uh, really make it. And during those years prior to Sochi, it, they they became very important because I was growing so fast 
suddenly I was in Winter Park uh, in one some races and I end up in second place, right? Uh, I know in third place with um, oh, I forgot the, is his name from Australia and hit Calhoun. I was sharing the podium with uh, with the, the two of them. Uh, oh my God, he's gonna be super mad. He's, <laughs> I love him. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, then after that, I remember that I went to Kimberley. Uh, it was a long road trip to get there. I was with um, uh, Chelsea as my coach and Ben Hooling was also in the team. I'm, I'm pretty sure you know him. Uh, and it was uh, such a beautiful, because I had already been there before, the year, the, the year before, and they happened to take pictures randomly of people. And I got to the, to the, to the place and I was in the, in the main page of uh, well, not not how to the face of the of the news page the front of the page. News, yeah. the front page. That's it, yeah. the front page of the of the magazine. So I don't know. It kind of like all the signs that they were like shining there that it was a really good moment, and I, and 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 yes, I I I felt it back again. I actually it was very funny because I, I even said in my conferences that I felt for the first time in the monoski what I felt when when I got my first victory in the downhill, which is that tunnel vision and pretty much being in the zone. So I felt it again. I did the race, and before even looking at the at the results, I knew that that race couldn't be better. That that was in Kimberley. I I really. I mean, you are an expert on this. So that was the Rosa 2 going at, down to the last pitch. And yeah. I was arcing to arc to arc to arc. And that looks yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I crossed the line, I I I mean it was it was amazing. I I I was super proud of myself. That was Greg Peck and from Canada, the other side. I I also forgot his name. Um but yeah, it was the time that I realized that it was, and it, I had the level. I was already like, I think I was like three seconds ahead of the closest one or five. I don't even remember. It was a really good run. So, so yeah. You progressed I, I, a lot. So you were sorry? ready. So this is right prior to going to Vancouver. So you go to Vancouver, but you're not running downhill in Vancouver. Mentality no, 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 wise, you really are. What's that? To Sochi, prior to Sochi. Oh, this is prior to Sochi. Okay, so you're going to Sochi. And Sochi was a real downhill, which you found out pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. I also have it. That was really, really crazy. I mean, we. I'm pretty sure you saw it from... You, you, I, I think you were commenting it, right? I was doing the commentary, yes. Yeah. I was doing the commentary. That was... That was a really, really, really long race because there were so many, there were so many helicopters that came and took people off the course, particularly yeah. the male monoskiers. So, so we had the race where I think the women raced the same day, and yeah. the women raced, and then they were done, and then you had the visually impaired, then you had the standing, and then you had the male monoskiers, and the male monoskiers were longer than all of the rest of the race because it kept stopping. And as a commentator, we didn't know what was going on because it would stop and the camera would just be focused on a gate or a gatekeeper 
and nobody's telling us what's happening. All we're seeing is just what you can see on the fields, on the field, on the uh, on the TV. So it was, uh, yeah, it was because, uh, yeah. And what happened? What happened with your race there? Because you had a little bit of a crash. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like you, like you just describe it, it gave me goosebumps because it was, I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty sure you had the same feeling, which is, which is something that it's kind of crazy that we even, even, uh, um, uh, sign for that. But when, at least for me, when I was, going down a downhill i knew that that was the event that it really can anything can happen and and i mean like you 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 know that it, you can even die in a downhill <laughs> so that sensation is crazy that's why i don't know why we even signed for that but yeah. but then and tyler walker was, in that race i mean i left that day and i thought he might have died yeah, because yeah, because yeah. we didn't we didn't get the feedback from there. Yeah. We didn't have anybody there that was telling us no, he's okay. And his father his father actually posted, I think, on Facebook, which is how I knew that he was okay. But that was like six o'clock in the morning because I I basically I was doing commentary from like eleven o'clock at night until six o'clock in the morning. Wow, yeah, it was a long and race. And then imagine being up there waiting for your turn and just <laughs> hearing helicopters when by when going by. It was just it was a tough one. It was a tough one, but you know how it is. You have to give like you have to risk it all. Mm -hmm. And we were all risking it all. It happened to Tyler, it happened to me. Uh, and yeah, I actually happened to have it. So <laughs> yeah, well, let's see it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right away, my ski was a little too sharp. I couldn't turn, and then it just went wrong. It was five and a half turns that I couldn't just stop. Uh, and the first two, like, I remember that when I was when I was uh, with Eric, right away, one of the first videos that he showed me was one recover that he did uh, in at some point. And I, so he was like, always, when you crash, you just fight it. And I remember that, that, that crash, the first two turns, I was like, okay, I'm going to recover it. And then I realized that the string was so much, the forces were, were so big that I just left my outriggers and I start covering my, my head. Uh, and I was waiting for the time. And it was such a steep hill very at the very beginning, but such a steep hill that I couldn't, I just couldn't stop five uh, uh tumbles uh, and a half after that i finally I, i'd had the last big hit in the solid three meters that they were salted and then i just kept sliding for quite some time uh, and of course destroy my mount my ski and everything yeah, so, which makes it that much harder too because you can't you can't use your ski to get back up. If you're on your mono ski, you just turn into a snowball, a, a snowball, and you're just rolling down the hill, which is essentially what happened. Did you break your back again there? I didn't thought that I that I I actually uh, brought it, but at that time it was my 
my strongest moment i have a picture as well <laughs> and since i was like so strong i really didn't realize about uh my injury in the back but actually there was one bolt that it kind of loosened up and it uh, and, and and i didn't figure it out until i was back again so after sochi i the next day i had a race i raced but I, I mean, I was already psyched out. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm very, pr I'm very proud that at least I kind of went out and I didn't care about that crash. I mean, I didn't care. I care, but I put it in the place enough to be brave to go out. And, um, but I came back to Park City. I was with this in my mind because it was too sharp the ski. And then I was like, okay, but uh, I have to be able to to i know my level so i kind of did my whole ritual again all of myself i i did my own skis and everything and i happened to win the race against um so there was two races gs's one hit calhoun won it and the next one i won it so for me he in that paralympic won um uh silver medal in gs so for me that was the reference and just to be able to see myself at that level, it was like a very comfort, like very, uh, yeah, like uh, giving me encouraging, yeah, encouraging. That's the word, yeah. But I went back to Mexico. I'm also since 2009 till 2015, I was a hand cyclist, and then after there was the time trial, I end up first place, and then there was the road uh, race. And I end up in first place, but it was a kind of a tough race because I, I, I got a flat. So right away I kept going with the flat and then I switched it very quickly and I kept going and I was able to make it um, first place. But when I finished, I had a very bad headache and I, real, I, I went to the doctor and I realized that I had this screw that after 62 kilometers vibrating on the wheels that they are 220 pounds uh, the psi uh, it, it just a lot of vibration that kind of reveal that i had this injury in the back and i needed to go through surgery again so yeah that was that was tough for sure tough for sure <laughs> well so we got a little bit on your career and you ended up competing in two other games as well but not only have you competed you've effectively been the mexican team at three of the the paralympic games that you've gone to yeah but you're the the coach the trainer the the organizer what is that like to be able to 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 be forced to do all of that organization to make sure that you're getting into the race, that all the paperwork is right, that you end up going to the right places, scheduling all your training. What is that like? I mean, that seems like you're out on an island. It's hard. It's super tough. It's super tough because it's, um, you have to divide your energy into so many things that you are also uh, responsible of that and you have to make it properly that I could never be just an athlete. I had to be so many things a part of being an athlete. And I have to say at some point it was 
I, I felt that, yeah, like, oh my God, this is too much. I would have loved to be born, born in, a, in a country with a ski culture and just belong to a team, you know, just focus my time on training, uh, working on a gym and resting. And that was not my case. But in the other hand, it really, it really pushed my boundaries and it demand from myself to develop um, as a person. Uh, so I had to figure out sponsorships. I had to uh, find a way to 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 uh, raise money, and then I became a speaker because it's well paid. So uh, then then I was I kind of found so many ways that 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 in a way it was tough, but certainly it developed me as a person a lot. And 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 I think uh, I mean there's no mistakes. I. I am super proud of the of what what I achieved, what we achieved, because at some point I I, I kind of configured a um, a team that it was I mean it was kind of at least consistent. I cannot say that they were the best because I taught him I taught them how to ski uh, to begin with, and it was volunteer work from these guys, but. Uh, one uh, one guy Romarico who became kind of like my assistant um he is a filmmaker so I we were able to record a lot to share a lot and in this way we we were able to change the mentality because for most of the time the people were like oh Arlie you are going back again to holidays and I'm like it's so far from holidays it's working very very hard every time I was coming back from the mountain I was like I was way stronger because just just the fact of coming out being like oh my god 60 centimeters of snow okay I have to dig and get to my car first and then you know you know the whole dynamic of the snow but the people here they don't realize it so they think that it's like oh that's so cool you're skiing you know uh, so I, 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 I idealized, um, but it was super important that that step where I was, I start sharing the, the uh, those things with my people here in Mexico, and uh, I was How able did you to get go... like a coach and that kind of stuff. Did you were you getting coached at the NAC? But then you needed a coach for the games, right? Yeah, actually, uh, I have to say it was also people. Who volunteer? I'm pretty sure you know Marcel, for instance. Mm -hmm. Marcel came as my coach in uh, Pyeongchang, and uh, for me it was such an encouraging uh, approach that he had with me because it was the so 2014 was my surgery. 2015, 2014-15 uh, I missed, and then I came back on the 15-16, and at the end of that season he was like. Hey, Arlie, I would love to coach you, da, da, da. Uh, but I would just ask you that you have to come back to Park City. Um, at that time, I was in Montreal training because I, I told you before the interview that I was looking for a place that I could stay like whole year long. And then I thought, I, I, I because I love the summer in Montreal. So I, I thought that I was going, I, that was the place where I could be in the summer and also in the, in the winter. And after that winter, I was so down. I was so like, like my body changed after the surgery. I lost 
control of my body. I became from a LW11 to a LW101. So uh, I had to adapt again. I have to know my new body. And for sure, I was not as strong as I was before the surgery. So it was just so hard to move around with the, the, in the, in the snow, but also putting, you know, the, the, the monoski in the shoulder and the skis in between the legs and going in a wheelie in the, in the snow, it just became so hard. And I was so, uh, so disencouraged. And then I received the call from Marcel and he was like, Hey, I want to, I want to coach you. Um, but you have to come back to Park City. And of course it was a win-win, you know, like he, it was, Every time it was, it has become harder and harder for him to kind of be in the U.S. team. And but he was also on the side, always helping uh, and assisting and coaching and everything. Uh, Stephanie. So it was a win-win that we kind of figured out uh, in order, um, in order to, yeah, to 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 help each other. And I felt so much support from him. Another, like I, I would say it again, that maybe it, it was kind of another. Um, angel that appear in my life <laughs> and uh, and yeah like uh, so uh, I came back to 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 Park City and it felt so good to belong even it was a little a tiny uh, team but it was it felt so good to have support you know and then I realized after that that I needed to kind of switch that dynamic that I every time that I came here I needed to have some help and that's what I that that's kind of like that was the the beginning of that and then I switched rig as well I went to the to the Hydra um so Dynaxis yeah Dynaxis I had also the support from uh I I, I already had a Dynaxis but it was a torque too so I was already with uh, very close conversations with Joachim and Shani um so uh, i i start feeling little by little the support that i that i had just for so many years but coming from eric you know so it was it was a good times uh, and for me the main thing was that i want to i mean i went through a very tough surgery but i want to recover enough recover enough to go to another paralympics to my third paralympics in pyeongchang and then i achieved that i was able to do it my my time, uh, I finished the Super G and my time compared to the first place uh, in, in compared to Sochi, it was even closer. But you know how it is, the sport has been evolving so much and so many good guys have come in between. So instead of ending up in the 11th place like uh, that, I, that I that was in Sochi, I ended up in the 17th place. But for me, it was such a good thing that I was able to come to reconstruct to build back again my myself and to be back again in the in the in the paralympics and representing my country and i was supposed to 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 retire then but i was like oh my god you know um i i wanted to have a chance to really um have a whole side a paralympic cycle because in this time it was really two years that I worked for, for the Paralympics. So I said like, okay, let's go for Beijing. And then pan pandemia came, I couldn't really have it <laughs> completely. So after Beijing, I was like, okay, one more. <laughs> so you're in for, for, uh, for, for uh, Cortina then. That's Mono it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm definitely signed for Cortina. That's why I'm actually, I just came back from the snow. I was there in uh, Park City. Uh, uh, it was a tough one because I got sick for the first time in 14 years. I couldn't race because of illness, you know? Yeah. It was such a tough thing because, it, you, you, and I'm pretty sure you will, you will get me on this one, but uh, psychologically, there's a point where you kind of start walking your way out you know like it's, it's like you are not willing to spend the whole resources the whole time put all your uh, your vital energy into that it's like okay i i reserve you a, a very important amount of energy but no more than that and i think i'm on that uh, uh, moment but that's kind of like um logically rationally what i supposed supposed to do because for me coming from that uh, that uh, um, string of uh, thought then when you come to a race you should be able to be like okay i'm gonna take it easy and that haven't have that haven't happened to me yet <laughs> i'm still getting into the gate and it's like you know i wanna i'm going for all uh, and 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 it was very tough for me to be like, okay, I'm super. I mean, the uh, I think it was over a hundred in uh, Fahrenheit when in my temperature the night before. I wake up in the in in the morning and I was like, okay, let's go for the first race. And my I I I'm, I was coming with a friend and he was like he he grabbed my shoulder and he was like, Arlie, I don't think so, man. And he's like, but man, I have never missed a race because of illness. And he was like, man, there's always a first time and it's okay. And I swear that that was it. It was so tough for me. Like, come on. I, 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 I remember that I dropped a few tears and I was like, oh my God, it's so hard. Even though that I'm in this stage of my career, it's so hard. And uh, and then I just went back to for to to bed. I rest for a whole day, for a whole night. I had fever still in the night, um, but I I I woke up uh, uh, in the morning feeling way better, and I went to the races and I won the race. I mean, there was good guys, maybe not the best ones, but it was uh, for me. It was like such a redemption. I think is the word. Yeah, <laughs> What's talking about redemption in some ways, what do you have on your suit, on your, on your downhill suit? And, and what is the significance of that? Well, in this one, uh, in the last one, it's, uh, it's a skulls. And I think, I mean, it's a, it's a thing, a very Mexican thing. Uh, it comes from the Dia de Muertos, which is a big uh, celebration here in Mexico. And it really, I mean, we are, as our culture, it's very, very connected to death, you know, like uh, uh, even, even in that uh, celebration, we, we, want, we like to honor a lot life, but also the people who already passed, we, every single year, we remember them and we bring, give them the, you know, like the, the, their favorite food, their favorite drink. And we kind of bring their mom, their, their memory every single year at that day. And uh, 
So th- this guy, Hubertus von Hohenlohen, who's a, who is a, he's an Austrian, but he was actually born in Mexico. And he, uh, but his, but her, his parents are from Austria. Uh, he is a skier and he happened to represent Mexico, I think, in five or six, six Paralympics. And uh, so, yeah, he he's quite a, a a figure in the Olympic side, and he's the one who have been uh, d- designing on all these suits, and I really like them. And at the beginning, like the first one that I wear was the mariachi in Sochi in 2014, and for me, I saw it and I thought, I don't know if it was kind of a joke, you know, like I was like, I don't know how how to take it. Uh, but but then I then I realized that it was like no it's it's such an, a big opportunity to bring your your culture to the eyes of the world and then it just changed the whole significant uh, the the whole meaning for me and it was super funny because like all the people wanted to change uh, their suits with me they were like oh my god I changed my whole my my whole uh, my jackets and everything just for they that. They wanted to suit. trade with you. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. They wanted to trade it yeah, exactly. And uh, but but it was it was just uh, I mean a dynamic that it was kind of funny, but at the same time uh, it I, I it kind of it fall into my head like to my yeah like I I I realized that it was such an opportunity to to bring my culture with me, to be super proud about it and, and just being uh, sharing it with the world because, I mean, the Paralympics, how many eyes you have on that uh, event and you have that opportunity, I think it's super, super cool. And, and in some ways, it's almost kind of like, you know, with your your accident when you were a young kid, where you sort of, in some ways, it's almost like you kind of died there and then you came back and then with your accident in Sochi, similar kind of thing, you know? So in some ways, my interpretation looking at it was like, oh, so this is kind of, it's representing Arlie's journey as well. And the strength and just how much people, how much people respect the, the people who have died, you know, and, and, and that they're, they're the ones who kind of know versus the people who are, who are, cause, cause what is it with the skulls? The skulls are actually like, uh, like also the the calavera right are the uh that are like the poems right that they're the that they're they're uh making biting poems about the about the living people like the the living people are kind of the weak ones whereas the the people who have died are the so i just i mean i was just looking at that just wondering if that is part of who you are moving toward cortina in 2026 so you you actually make a really good point because uh, for instance i i have felt uh three big times where i have died and i have come back and not just uh, one it was kind of like very real in the last surgery i i entered in a shock and all my organs stopped working for a little bit i was in an induced coma for three uh, three days and then when i came back it was kind of like uh, 
rebirth, you know. But also for me, it's like my normal bird in like my regular or natural bird in 1988. And then in 2001, 13 years later, I rebirth as as now at uh, yeah acquiring this uh, injury and now living life in 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 this other side of the coin, and then um, and then 13 years later, casually, uh, it was my 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 accident in Sochi, and there was like this uh, surgery when it went like super tough, and yeah, so for me. I in those big moments is what I realized that I have died. Something about me has died, and I have reborn. And but and 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 actually, uh, now I realize and I know that it happens the whole time. You know, every single time that you like. For me, uh, I like to say that when you do an expedition, when you when you do a trip, when you read a book, when you. Um, yeah, when you have like a, a like some kind of experience, you ascend. Like when you did the Kilimanjaro uh, ascend, something about you really dies. You have a new perspective, and a new you is born. So for me, I have experienced that. Like I mean, mainly in those uh, moments. But I have to. I had to say bye to identities that I was kind of married to, and then welcome to new things that now they represent me more and that's um that was the case for sure when i broke my back in mount, in mounting bike downhill and then i have to give a new meaning to my life and i kind of found this new meaning in monoski but it was also the case uh, now that i i know that i'm ready for new things and i'm pretty sure and i'm sure you can you, sp- you can speak about this way better than me because you went through this whole process but yeah like I got, I have worked so hard to get to the point that I am right now. But it's just funny because the dream that I had 13 years ago, 14 years ago, is not anymore my dream and it doesn't represent. And it's super hard to kind of face that, you know, be be brave uh, to be like, okay, now I have to find new meanings for me. For my life it's such a process and it's very very tough but that's where i am right now <laughs> well i'm you, you've done an amazing job thus far and i'm sure you'll figure it out but i know that it is that can be the biggest challenge when you have that single goal and you're following that goal and you know for whatever reason it doesn't mean as much anymore or you fail to reach it or whatever it is it's time to change, but that's, uh, that is the beauty of life in a lot of ways too, is that, that you realize that you have to keep reinventing yourself and it, it continues. So I look forward to seeing what you're going to do as you approach, uh, Cortina in 2026 and what that means and what your goal is, and also what you're going to have on your downhill suit. So, uh, Arlie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very, very much for this this talk. I think it was super cathartic, and uh, and definitely it's such a pleasure to share not just my story but also your perspective about life. And I uh, and I confirm that you are not just a great skier but also uh, a person who have 
uh, go deep on 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 their mind, their feelings, their soul, uh, your physique, and you are such an inspiration for me. Uh, you're a legend, and in so many ways. And uh, just thank you very much for this space, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, you're making me blush, but uh, but thank you. I appreciate it, and, and look forward to seeing you out on the hill. And thank you to all of you for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. The greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends. Tell your friends to tune in, like us, follow us, subscribe, and we will continue to bring you great content. We'll see you next time.